finally, when I got that C and I was like, it was almost a relief. Hello and welcome back to episode two of our podcast. We were so excited last time to meet you guys. And today um, I'm here. My name is Rebecca and I'm here with my co-host Olivia. Hello. And today we have a pretty interesting topic and it's going to be probably, it's probably going to be titled um, Jack of All Trades versus Master of One. But We'll kind of go into why we wanted to choose this topic and like our thoughts on it. And um, Liv, how would you describe yourself out of those two kind of descriptions? Well, I know you described me as more of a jack of all trades, which I kind of agree with. I'm very like, I consider myself extremely average in every subject versus like good at any one subject. And this includes like hobbies and stuff of mine too, so... Yeah, I think you're, I think you're good. I think you're being too humble. Uh, but yeah, I I would say you're more of an all-rounder than I am. Like, if you're, you know, strictly just looking at the kinds of classes we take in school, um, Liv kind of does a lot of harder math classes and science classes in addition to harder, like, humanities-based classes. Whereas I have... Um, I have the same math class as her, but I don't take any like AP science classes and I am only focusing on the humanities with like my AP classes. So I'm more of like a person who not so much is like an all-rounder as much as I am like a person with a spike somewhere like that I'm really interested in and I'm really passionate about and everything else is just like, I'll do it, but I'm not going to put too much effort in. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of both of our styles. Me and Becca are both in pre-calc. And then I'm in the science classes she was talking about were AP Physics and AP Bio. And then we're both in AP Lang and AP US History. Yeah, and then in addition to that, I also do a gender studies class at my like our local community college. And I'm in debate, which I think count as classes, but... Um, yeah, you can tell all of my, like, harder classes or, like, hobbies and extracurriculars are geared towards the humanities, whereas Liv kind of has a more all-around approach where she is taking STEM classes and humanities classes. And I think our situation is pretty unique because we actually go to a really small school. Like, the student body of the high school is what, like, under 200 kids? 150, probably, like, max. Yeah, there's, like, no more than 30 kids in our entire grade. And so in order to kind of have all our programs running, it's kind of expected that um, every student kind of does a little bit of everything. So you're not strictly a theater kid. You might be a theater kid who plays soccer. And I know that happens at every school, but for our school, I think it's especially true because otherwise a lot of these programs wouldn't exist. And also because our school is so small, like, the classes that we are offered are very limited so if you are not an all-rounder you're kind of like stuck behind between a rock and a hard place because either you're not taking hard classes to demonstrate your ability or um you're taking very few yeah 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's definitely really hard being in a small school, and I mean, like you said, in general, and like, not being expected to try everything, you know? At least try, right? Like, because like, I mean, I'm a theater kid too, right? So I'm a theater kid with all of these AP classes, and it's just like, you get really overwhelmed sometimes with it. And like, definitely being someone who's, there's a lot of expectations that come with it, you know? Like, with either side, because if you, like, how I think about it is, like, if you're a master, a master of one, as we've been calling it, um, you're expected to always be really good at that subject, like, you're not in that one subject, you're not allowed to fail, right? But, like, Mm -hmm. in the reverse, if you're a jack-of-all-trades, then you're not allowed to fail, completely in any one subject like you can be you have to be at least somewhat good at all of them no I completely agree otherwise there's so much judgment I feel like and it might be self-judgment too like kind of blaming yourself for taking too much on or you know there's a lot of things that go with it and I like how you brought up expectations and I know we're just high school students, so we don't know what, you know, college admissions officers are exactly looking for. But in your experience, personally, do you have the impression that colleges are looking for more of all-rounders? Or um, is that like an expectation that you feel like you kind of have to meet? I definitely feel like, and like you said, I don't know if this is true, but I definitely personally feel like colleges are looking for a little bit of everything even though I try to specialize more in STEM classes because that's what you know I'm gonna study in college um but I definitely think that colleges are looking for I think there's a huge difference actually because either colleges are looking for all-rounders or they're looking for a student that shows a lot of excellence in one area and I mean either way if you choose either path and you apply to a college that's expecting the opposite And, like, there's nothing you can do about it at that point. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes I think I don't really know if there's a difference, but um, either there's, like, the definition of an all-rounder, which is, like, you do everything. You don't have to be necessarily great at everything, but you're not terrible at those things. Like, you're kind of middle range to upper range. And then there's, like, the expectation to do as much as possible Um, as well as possible and I think that's when it can start getting kind of toxic and I think uh, we go to a college prep school and that's like kind of the goal is to get you in college and so I definitely see a lot of that of kids who maybe don't really have an interest in AP biology but they're taking it because they want to prove that they are able to do it and that you know they want to take advantage of as many opportunities as possible because they're so limited at such a small school. And I'm sure it's not just like limited to our school. That's just our experience. Um, I'm sure even in bigger high schools, um, there are those kids who just kind of want to do everything and be good at everything. Um, And I think it's kind of sad, honestly, like I don't even understand how Liv has all the time to do all of these different things, (laughs) but I'm, honestly really impressed but at the same time it's like if you can handle it that's great but if you can't but you're forcing yourself to that can be really bad and I think we can both talk about our experiences with that a little bit later um yeah and like I I feel 
I feel the same impressment as you do um, with, like, the amount of debate and stuff that you do and, like, how well your essays are always written because, like, you always get, like, way higher grades than me in, like, <laughs> our AP class, like, our AP Lang class. I'm, like, I'm, like, Aww. I'm, like, astonished <laughs> because you just, you're so good at it. And I think, like, like you were talking about, there's, like, that expectation that even you put on yourself and it's like you have this thing where you're like, like especially for me, because I'm like an all-rounder, right? Or I'm considered one. How I feel about it is like, yeah, I'm kind of good at all of these things, but I'm not, I'm not excelling at just one. So like to me, even though I'm doing all these separate things that like a lot of people might not be able to handle, I still don't feel enough or like... Like, it's, like, special enough, I guess, because there's that expectation that everyone has that, like, one thing that they're really good at or, like, their hobby. Like, you have, I don't know, like, you have your essays and you're really smart at that and you have debate and then Noe is, like, amazing at, like, singing and stuff and, like, Tatum has her art and, like, I just am average at, like, everything. So it's definitely, like, that difference in expectation between being average at everything and then excelling at one thing but kind of sad that there's other things that you can't do as well as that so i think it's yeah i think that was really kind of eye-opening because one i don't think you're average but like the fact that you feel that way is so interesting because i feel average in that i can't handle doing everything um And so it's kind of like the grass is always greener kind of situation. And it's like you can't win, right? It's so hard to, you know, do that. And especially when I have such bad FOMO, like fear of missing out, because I want to do everything that I can. And I don't know if you can relate. Like, if you can do it, you should, right? Like, if you can handle it and if you can do well in the class, then you absolutely should take it. And that's, like, what my brain is telling me, even when I know, yeah, I could take two more AP classes, but like, what would that mean for my sleep schedule? What would that mean for my mental health? What would that mean for like how it impacts um, my mood day to day and how excited I get for classes and how much effort I'm able to put in the things I actually care about? And it's like, how do you balance that? And I don't know if there's like really an answer, but I think it's interesting that we're such good friends, but we have such different experiences with that. I think so too. Honestly, my fear of missing out comes more about um, more to do with friendship and friend group stuff, mm-hmm. which we can talk about in another episode. Just because, I mean, I don't really have fear of missing out in school because, like you said, I kind of already do everything. And honestly, I would so much rather, like, personally, I would so much rather really take like an AP Lang class. But then there's also like something I don't know if how many other people can relate to this but my mother is an ap lang teacher and Mm. my grandmother is an english teacher and my great-grandmother was an english teacher and my mom's brother is an english teacher and so there's this like expectation that i'm like you know like there's familial expectations too like if your parents are good at a subject then they kind of expect you to be good at it because like i'm kind of expected in my family to be good at english and so i'm taking this class that i'm really not that great in and that I don't get that excited about even though I love reading so much but like I would so much rather like be focusing on like my AP bio or my AP physics class especially because that's what I'm going to make my job 
So, fam- like, just ec- this whole thing is just surrounded by expectations. It's just from and I everybody. Think that's a really good point. And I have a few thoughts. One, it's like completely the opposite for me because my mom was a scientist um, before she quit to take care of us. And then my dad um, was like a computer programming major in college. So I am kind of going in the exact opposite direction, but I can totally understand. Like I felt like I had to be good at math and STEM for a long time because I'm like, well, my parents were like, how come I can't learn it? Like, it's definitely like a nurture kind of thing, not really a nature thing. Um, That's for sure. At least it is in my case. But also, I think what you said about, um, like, wanting to make something your job is really important and, like, how that's related to what you're good at. Because I always have this, like, kind of these intrusive thoughts about, like, do I really like this or am I just good at it? Or do I want to make this my job or would making it my job make me hate it? And it's kind of like, I don't know how to kind of reconcile those things, but I think, you know, it kind of seems like you have it more figured out. Like, um, ever since I met you, I think you've always talked about going to college for some sort of science, you know, and wanting to pursue that. And I've, I've always been so envious of that, but like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you enjoy things more when you're good at them? Or, you know, when you're good at something, does that make you want to make it your job? I would like to say not necessarily. Because I mm-hmm. really do love being good at things, right? But for me, it honestly depends on the subject. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not very sporty. And the reason why I'm not very sporty is because I get really competitive. But when I'm not good at a sport and I get competitive at it and I lose, it just makes me want to quit, right? So, like, with that, I'd say if I'm not good at it, I don't enjoy it, right? But with something like, you know, I'm in AP Physics and I'm not at the right math level and I struggle in the class a lot, as you know, because you, like, hear me complain about it all the time. (laughs) But, um, like, honestly, I love the subject so much even though I'm not good at it. So I think it really depends on what you love learning about because i really love seeing i love thinking and seeing how the world works in different ways like i love history and i love biology and i love ap physics all for this reason because physics you get like that math part of it like you see how the world works through like geometry and like force and stuff and then with history you get like human nature and how the world and the humans have evolved through that and then with biology you get the actual like science of it all so i'd say for me the reason why because i want to go into genetics as you know um the reason why i want to go into genetics so bad and like any kind of science thing is because i figured out a long my voice keeps cracking i'm so sorry (laughs) i figured out a long time ago that that is my favorite thing to learn about the world like in itself and like so i think that that's why i've always been so focused on that section but I completely understand like not knowing what you want as your job because a lot of people like I got super lucky I will admit that I got really lucky because a lot of people don't figure out what their favorite thing in the world is until way later in life and I think that like the fact that we have to figure that out at such a young age when we have like we still have like 80 years ahead of us like after we figure that out is so dumb like yeah and I think this is 
like really interesting because uh for both of us we know what we like um and it's really just a matter of kind of tailoring our experiences our classes our hobbies to those things it just so happens that what i like falls more in line with like what school tells us like um those divisions those subjects like i like humanities and these are humanities classes and i'm going to take humanities classes whereas you like this more this broader concept and you can fit different things that don't necessarily seem compatible to, at first but you can fit them together and it makes sense when you explain it like that and i think that's really interesting Yeah, I actually, yeah I actually never really thought about that before because also the reason why I love AP Lang so much, even though I suck at it and I said I didn't really want to take You the class, don't suck at it. um, <laughs> I do, I suck at it more, but it's okay. Um, it's because I love the writing. Like, I love seeing how, you know, like I said, I really love seeing how the world works and I love seeing how people's minds make things into words. Like, even sometimes I'll just be writing. Like, I'll just be writing something on a piece of paper, and I'll look at my pen, I'll look at my pencil, and I'll be like, oh, like, oh my god, this was a blank piece of paper, and I move it just slightly, and now there's something there. And it's just, like, the world is so fascinating to me. Like, I'm one of those people that, like, if you meet, I will, like, just zone out sometimes and, like, stare at things, <laughs> because I find it so interesting. And so, like, yeah, I guess it does kind of fit with all of that. But a lot of things, like, me and you are both really lucky in the sense that the stuff that we like kind of, I think, fits into school. Whereas for some people, like, especially artists, they don't have Mm hmm Yeah, a lot I was of the thinking same, that like, too. opportunities in school, you know? They're, like, super creative people, but, like... It feels very risky, right? Like, um, Mm hmm being an academic is the most straightforward route, kind of. At least that's what kind of society tells us. And unless, you know, you have very special circumstances and you're, like, very privileged... Um, I think most people who are artists and are, I hear this from my friends, they're told constantly, you're not going to be able to make a living off of this. You're not going to succeed at this. You have to have extraordinary talent. Whereas if you're like into math, you just have to be kind of good at it. I think if there were classes that were like tailored to different kind of kinds of like interests, especially because like I would love to see a math class that is taught through art. Because like Yeah, that's really fascinating. And I think that brings up kind of the sad reality that we take certain classes more seriously than others. Like if someone is really good at physics, um, we'll be like, wow, they're a genius. But if someone is really good at art, I wonder if that kind of has the same impact when you hear about it. Um, and like art is usually seen as an elective. And I understand the reasoning behind that. But I think it does leave a lot of people behind. And I think what you're saying is really interesting because um, I met you in eighth grade. And from eighth grade until just this year, we took almost the exact same classes. Actually, we did take the exact same classes. Maybe like Yeah. one or two electives would be different, but our math, English, history, like all of those classes were the same. And it wasn't until this year that we kind of got to choose what we wanted to like specialize more in. And it is a little later than most schools because, like I said, we're a small school. And so um, our options only kind of fan out when we
like I never thought about how different our interests are and how um, different our skill sets are until this year. And it was so like shocking. And I wonder if there's a way to ease into that because when we took the same classes, we kind of got the same grades, like for the most part. And um, even then I like, for some reason I was like, I'm bad at math. Um, Math is not my thing. I don't like math. I'm bad at math. Like that was my self-talk. And I wonder if like I changed that, if my path would have been any different like if it was really just in my head, because even now we're in the same math class. I'm not taking the advanced like AP physics and AP bio classes that you are, but you know, we're still in the same math class. So it's like, I wonder if it's kind of in our heads that we're good at one thing and bad at another. And if we just like kind of had more confidence, we would feel just like all of us would feel like all rounders. But I don't know if that's true. Maybe that's just like super optimistic. No, I like actually completely agree with that. I think it is a confidence thing. And I think something else is that people learn differently, right? Mm -hmm. Like me and you, like the reason why we always get such good grades is because our learning styles are compatible with the way that we're taught things in school. Mm -hmm. People who are good at school, that's it. That's the reason they're good at school. Like Mm -hmm. that's completely what I believe is people who are good at school have learning styles compatible with the schools they're in. Right now, why yep. I why I was so interested to like math class taught through art is because there's some people who just like can't like in geometry. I almost failed geometry because I can't memorize math stuff. And so I'm thinking like if math or even any other subject could be taught to different people in different ways as it should be, and not just one way like lecture style or like memorization, would someone who you know like both of us have kind of our whole lives been like oh we're bad at math like we don't like doing this blah 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 blah. if math had been taught in a way we enjoyed or that we could understand better would we have both gone on to be like wow i love this subject this is my favorite subject maybe i'll become a mathematician like there's just like there's these questions that you have like maybe there's an artist out there who really loves writing you know but the way that they were taught writing was not a way that they could understand. So their writing just never got that good. And they gave up, you know? They were like, well, I just suck at this. And they completely gave up. And they went on to be art. And maybe they're an amazing artist. But maybe they could have been a greater writer if they'd been taught properly. And, like, that's a question that plagues me so often. I definitely... That is so true. Because I think we were... I think it's a good time right now to kind of, like, acknowledge our privilege. Because, like... Yeah, like you said, we are very lucky in the fact that we learn in ways that the school wants us to learn. But also, aside from that, like, there's so many, like, racist things and very just, like, oppressive parts of the education system that don't want certain people to succeed. People with learning disabilities, um, people that are grow up poor and don't have the same access to resources all of those things like uh this makes me think of when we read about how people who speak certain dialects um kind of have to code switch when they're learning english and so they're like there were teachers who were kind of brainstorming and educators who were brainstorming different ways to teach english in a way that's more accessible to people who speak different 
I don't know if dialects is the right word, but um, like if you speak AAVE or like pidgin or, um, you know, there's different ways we talk and some ways are regarded as more academic, which is really unfortunate because it's um, super limiting to a lot of people. Like somebody's going to think they're dumb. Like some kid out there might think I'm dumb when they're not dumb. They just express their words in different ways um, or they'll think, you know, what I have to say like, people don't want to hear what I have to say, and it's not true. They grew up talking certain ways, and maybe their teachers don't talk the same way that they do. And so it's like, there's just that slight disconnect, and especially, I think, in younger children. Like, you can feel, like, I mean, maybe more in, like, middle school children, because that's when insecurities start really setting in, but you can feel, like, so alienated if you're in an area or, like, a group of people where they don't just, they just don't talk the same way as you. You know? And so, yeah. I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. And I personally have experienced this. I have come so close to, like, what we were just describing. Because when I was... I didn't move to the U.S. until I was five. So, it was still pretty young. But when I moved here, every time the school would send uh, back a survey that said, what's your first language and what language do you speak at home? I would have to say Chinese. And so even though I picked up the language very quickly and I was fluent in English by the time I got to elementary school, um, especially like first and second grade, by that time I was speaking just as well as any kid in my class, but I was forced to go to these English learner-like classes and I was taken out of school. So I missed so many foundational lessons because I had to go to this class where the teacher would sit with three kids who... Um, did not, were not born in America. And she said, do you know what supper is? Do you know what an apple is? And it just felt so kind of patronizing. And I just like, for a moment, I was like, am I really dumb? Like, am I really bad at English? Okay, so we just took a short break and we're back now. And right now we want to kind of pivot to how school and these like expectations impact our mental health. And just full disclosure, we have experience with therapy and um yeah that's how we kind of take care of our mental health and i recognize that we're very lucky to be able to do that and um not everyone has that but i do highly highly recommend if you can act if you have access to therapy but um anyways we were talking about how school impacts our mental health um would you say that um, you've like experienced burnout in like maybe the past two or three years uh, the past two or three years I've been burned out since I was like a seventh <laughs> grader dude I've been like, oh my god I, I feel hit, that like I hit like first day of eighth grade and my immediately thought was why like I'm just I was done by the time I was 13 years old and I think that says a lot about our education system and not even just our education system because i feel like school itself isn't the problem i think it's the expectations that families and um students themselves put on you know themselves and each other so i feel like yeah, yeah. when was the last time you like truly felt excited to go to school and learn and you were just like grateful to be there and maybe at the end of the day you didn't want to go home and when did you when was the last time you felt like that Oh my god. I don't know, dude. Like, there's certain moments where I'm at school 
where I'll be like, my God, I love this subject. And I'll be mm-hmm. like excited to learn. But there's never been a time period where I'm like, and this is such like a privileged thought, but there's never been a time period where I've been, I've woken up and I've been happy to go to school. And that is such a privileged thing. Like, because there's so many kids who can't go to school and mm-hmm. like I recognize that. But honestly, that's just, that it's the but truth. But your feelings never- are also valid. Like burnout is, yeah. yeah, like burnout is so real. Um, And I actually, I do remember the last time I felt like that. When I first started going to the school I'm going to now, um, I had just come out of homeschooling. So I had been homeschooled for like two years and I was just so excited to be back in an environment where I could learn and I felt productive because when I was homeschooled, I just like had the constant thought of, oh my God, I'm falling behind and everyone's going to get so much smarter than me. Um, So I was so glad to be back. (laughs) um and yeah it wasn't true at all like I was still working my butt off when I was homeschooled but I got to school and I was like oh my god I'm gonna make the most of it and I want to be productive and I want to spend every single second studying and getting straight A's and um I was just so excited and then when I started debate I was so passionate like that was taking up every waking moment I didn't want to think about anything else I like didn't like I sacrificed so much of my social life and sleep and like meal times because I just like loved learning and I still love learning but definitely feel more of that burnout and then um yeah it was like at the end of the day I remember telling one of our classmates like I hate Fridays because that means I have to go home and I have a whole weekend where I'm not at school and that is like it was the it was the worst thing in the world for me so it's like, I felt like this sudden shift, especially in 10th grade, where I was like, God, I hate this. And it might have been COVID and how we went online, but school was not enjoyable for me last year. I was stressed and I was burnt out and I got good grades. So I thought, you know, it was all good. Everything was fine. And then I made the conscious choice not to do the things I didn't want to do this year. And so I, I'm at the beginning of the year, I remember even telling Liv, like I've given up this year and it felt good to say that. Like it felt good to say, I don't care anymore. I'm giving up and I'm going to like be so carefree, but like, it wasn't true. I wasn't giving up. I was just like kind of channeling my energy into places where I actually cared and then it didn't feel like work at all because it felt like something I wanted to do. The fact that you originally thought that because you weren't taking as many classes you were giving up or you were being lazy is like so not true because I I mean I've experienced the exact same thing this year Mm -hmm. like all the other years even though I was so tired of school I still kept like pushing myself and pushing myself and even end of last year I pushed myself to take all of these classes right I started Mm -hmm. AP physics and I had I I basically I ended first semester with a C and I've never ever ended a semester with a C before I've always had B's and A's because that's that's Mm -hmm. an expectation of me that my family has Mm -hmm. and that I have of myself at this point because it's been an expectation pushed on me for so long Mm -hmm. and so finally when I got that C and I was like it was almost a relief to me to have like what my Mm -hmm. parents consider a bad grade because I'm like Mm -hmm. 
I don't have to care about this anymore. Like it's already it's so happening. liberating. It's yeah. So no, I like, totally get that. <laughs> this entire semester, I've just been like, I'm not going to try and stress myself out over the subject because I know that I love learning about this. And even if I'm not good at it and I don't get the grades that, it, that are expected of me, even if it affects my GPA, even if it maybe even changes the college that I get to go to, my mental health has improved so much since I told myself I'm going to do this because it makes me happy and not because it's expected of me. Like, ever since I started saying that to myself, my life in general has been so much better. And, like, it's like all of the color and everything that makes life good came back into the world. Oh, and I was my like, God. <laughs> I can relate so much. It's so hard to put into words, but you just did it perfectly. Like, it's so liberating to know you're doing something because you like it and that it's worth it whether or not it helps you get into college. And I'm not doing everything because I want to get into college anymore. I'm doing it because I like it and I care about it. And it's like so great. And I'm not working any less. I'm not taking any fewer classes. I'm still taking eight classes the same as I took last year. And they're actually harder classes, obviously, because I'm getting older and, you know, challenging myself more as is expected. But it just it doesn't feel as much like work and obviously there are going to be times when we're stressed but yeah like that negative self-talk it's kind of weird because at first it feels really liberating like to be like i don't care anymore i am bad at this and it doesn't matter that i'm bad at this because mm -hmm. i don't care anymore i'm not going to try but it makes it so much more interesting to be in school which sounds impossible I know and obviously it's not that easy and we're maybe oversimplifying a little bit but um and it's not easy to find what you like and convince yourself to focus on those things and maybe what you like is outside of school and you know you still feel the pressure to do well in school um and you still feel the pressure to uh you know do classes that you don't like and that's there are reasons for why you would do that. And I'm not saying that, like, you should just drop everything. But, you know, that's what's worked for me. And I guess that's what's worked for Liv as well. I mean, you can take the exact same class. You don't have to do, like you said, you don't have to do anything less. But, I mean, I was even talking to our um, my physics teacher about this. And he said, um, he said, when you stop putting so much pressure on yourself to be good at a subject and you start genuinely enjoying it you can become better at it than you were before because like you're genuinely interested in it right and so it's like and i mean obviously like something that i've never like i've never personally like been diagnosed with um has been depression so of course i don't understand what it's like going through school with that and some people are probably going to be like well that just isn't how it works for me and I completely understand that I like deal with anxiety a lot so I understand not being able to turn it off and just being stressed but it's just like sometimes just like taking a breath and just saying to yourself okay <gasps> getting out of a like a depressive episode is really hard and the first thing I always do is I take a shower and I exercise and I would get so mad when my parents would tell me that before and I was like you don't understand like I can't just get up and like exercise and it'll go away like that's not how it works but 
now once you get into like a routine of it or at least for me personally I can't speak for anyone else but it has really helped like getting outside and getting fresh air and exercising and taking a shower and making sure you eat um, and have meals so you're not hungry and getting enough sleep it's all so important and I think it often goes neglected because we're like school's more important and school is always the top priority and I don't think that's the case. Something else I was gonna say is that like I don't care how gross this makes me sound because I know that other people struggle with this too but I struggle a lot with motivation and a lot of that channels into not taking care of my personal hygiene specifically. Like there's a lot mm -hmm. of times where I'll like take a shower and go to bed and that's it like teeth i won't wash my face or anything i just take a shower and i go to sleep sometimes i don't even take a shower sometimes i finish my homework and i'm so tired and exhausted from the amount of schoolwork that's happened just happened inside my brain that i just like pass out i just go to sleep yeah makeup on and all just out makeup <laughs> on and all <laughs> and like i mean becca knows i sleep with my makeup mm -hmm. on a lot and motivation to do things like that and even to do homework is something I struggle with a lot and so just like Becca said the first thing I do when I start feeling even like slightly better and something I've started doing a lot more ever since you know I was like my grades really don't like I don't ever since I started telling myself that my grades don't matter as much as I think they do even though my parents like to tell me the exact opposite um I like I've been washing my face, my acne's been going down, and then that's been improving, like, you know, I've, yeah, I've been washing my face, my acne's gone down, um, I've been, I've started wearing, like, cologne <laughs> and stuff to school, and, like, my, I've, like, started taking more care of my appearance, and in turn, that's made my confidence go up, and then my confidence makes me happier, and then the happier I get, the more I take care of myself, so it's just, it's like, the opposite of like the cycle that school usually puts us in of like just completely negating all self-care and it just it makes you feel better and i yeah and i we don't want to make it sound like so simple because i know there was a stupid stupid book that was called like girl wash your face and it's so dumb because it's like come on that's like not it like people who are depressed aren't depressed just because they didn't wash their face and it's not a laziness thing and this is just like a reminder to kind of take care of yourself if you can but also if you can't just don't be too hard on yourself about it like forgive yourself it happens to all of us um mm -hmm. and it's more normal than you think and well, it's yeah, okay but to remind you guys that you are not alone in this we're saying to take care of yourself not so that you actually do it but just to remind you that you're important too like mm -hmm. You, as a person, are important no matter what anybody else says, okay? So you gotta take care of yourself yeah. as much as you can, but even if you can't, don't beat yourself up about it. Mm -hmm. And as someone who is family members and loves someone with depression, like, we love you, and you're important, yeah. and you matter, and it's just, this is a good reminder. Okay, I'm done. I it's think that's, yeah, that. like, you, your love for yourself should never be conditional, and just remember that, like, other people love you, and you should give that to yourself as well. It's not selfish to love yourself, and it's not selfish to take care of yourself. Whether or not you are an all-rounder or you're not, like, you still have a lot of value, and we want to remind you of that. And 
like the fact that we both look up to each other, even though kind of our methods are so different, just like goes to prove that there's so many things that like you don't see in yourself because you're always your like biggest critic. And you just kind of have to look at the people around you, like, who do you admire? And not all of those people are going to be what society defines as, like, successful or smart or whatever, beautiful. But you still love them, and that applies to you as well. And, yeah, I think that's what we're trying to say. It's kind of gotten very long-winded, though. (laughs) (laughs) I I think we got our point across, hopefully.